Hey there, you're listening to Starting the Conversation, the podcast which is all about communicating the real life narrative of being an entrepreneurial woman. I'm your host, Alice Burnham, and if you're ready to be inspired and fall one step closer to your dream career, then keep on listening. Welcome to episode number one, where I sat down with the lovely Kat, who founded her company Gatto back in 2014. Kat is an incredibly talented website designer who creates beautiful custom sites and branding for her clients. Sitting with her as an interviewee on the podcast almost felt a bit like a full circle experience because I actually initially got connected with Kat through her podcast called The Creative Loop. So it was so great to have her in on this first episode. We had such a real life chat about all things business, from pricing yourself right to combating freelancer guilt, even addressing the dreaded loneliness when working from home. You name it, we went there. As always, check out the show notes for Kat's various platforms and for links to what we discuss within the show. But if you're ready to dive into our conversation, let's get started. So Kat, thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of the podcast. No, thank you for having me, Alice. So to start us off, just tell us a bit more about what you do. What wakes you up in the morning? What's your day job? What are you about? Yeah, so um, I'm Kat, as you said. I am the founder and designer behind Gatto, or Gatto Web as the um, domain is. Uh, So I basically work with female creatives generally on their branding and website design, as well as just like a general web presence. So um, basically, I try to help people become more, um, more, what's the word? So like when people view them online, they have a really solid brand and everyone will recognize them straight away. That's something that I really like to do is like uh, when people see their brands, they go, oh my God, that's so you. Um, so yeah, I try and work on things that are really unique. I uh, love working with, like I say, female creatives and business owners, people like me. And I absolutely love design. So that's what gets me up in the morning. I absolutely love that. And your story is super unique as well. So your kind of journey to starting Gatto and launching your business, I think is fairly unique. I think it's fair to say that your inspiration and story kind of begins with MySpace, which might sound super (laughs) random to people listening. So tell us more about your kind of story and journey to starting your business. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was a teenager, I don't know how old would I have been, like 14, 15, like MySpace was everything. So all my friends were on MySpace and it was kind of like my thing. And um, I decided I wanted my profile to look really unique. So because of that, I taught myself how to code. So I had like a really like colorful profile. I had all these fancy effects, you know, where like you make it, there's like a raining effect on your page, which was for some reason really cool. Um, So yeah, like that's how I taught myself to code. And then I moved on to creating my own website on Pixo. I don't know if you remember Pixo. Nice, back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a drag and drop thing, but I did a bit more code in there. And yeah, it was just sort of like a hobby when I was a teenager. It, I was such like a computer person. Like I was really, I loved like the technical side of things. I wasn't as much as like a creative person as I am now, but the technical side was like really brought on at that age. From doing that, you went to university, didn't you? And kind of did a career that didn't, quite fit in with what your passions were so I guess tell us more about how you went from having this hobby on the side to ultimately starting up your business wow yeah so uh like you say when I went to university I did maths and it was uh basically a decision just through like my academic life I didn't really take anything else into consideration which I think 
um, would be like a bit of advice I would give people now, like obviously consider everything. But at the time I was good at maths, so I did maths and it seemed like a logical step. Um, and yeah, like you say, it didn't really work out. Whilst I was at uni, I started a blog, uh, like a fashion blog. I was like taking pictures of my outfits in my uh, university room, uh, which you can't find now, so don't try and look for it. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, through that, obviously I did the coding stuff as well uh, that I'd previously taught myself. And after university, I got a job in digital marketing. It was basically the first job that turned up. I was I really struggled to get a job that um, was like close to home and something that I wanted to do. So I just sort of took anything. And through that, I still continued doing my blog. And again, similar with the MySpace thing, I really wanted like a unique design. I wanted it to stand out. So created my own blog design. Just sort of like through the time I was blogging, I started creating like blog designs for the people. I thought I could sort of like um, put this on someone else's blog. And then I started selling them on Etsy whilst I was working. That was like my sort of side hustle. And uh, eventually coming into uh, being full time, I was made redundant from my third job in digital marketing, which at the time was obviously a bit of a shock. But for me, it was like really, really exciting. I thought, okay, this is my chance to do something that I really love doing. And I thought, if anything, I could just sort of spend a little, you know, a few months getting a bit of experience in design or um, coding, you know, anything, and then get a job. But it just sort of kicked off, and I managed to make enough money to keep myself going. And it kind of just went from there. I just continued to work full time, and I still actually get um, a few family members and friends saying, "Oh, you're just sort of like learning though at the moment, and then you'll get a job." And I'm like, "No, no, this is what I do now. It's okay." <laughs> I love that. So, how did you, I guess, find that transition? I think sometimes from going from like a nine to five of steady income, you know what you're doing, you know where you're going in the morning to oh, now this is my own thing. I need to build this. How was that transition for, I know on your podcast, you kind of call it the creative leap. Mm. So what would kind of your story be of how you took that creative leap and what that was like for you? Um, well, I was in a position where when I went full time, I was already uh, renting with my boyfriend. I already had outgoings. It wasn't like I was living at home and sort of didn't really have to worry about it much. So I was really, um, it's quite important that I started making money quite soon. Um, and I was okay in the fact that I had a bit of a buffer in redundancy pay, but I really didn't want to just fall back on that. So I really wanted to work hard. So as soon as I started full time, the first day after finishing my job, I worked like a 14 hour day and I just spent all of my time working. And I was kind of in the mentality where by when I was in a nine to five job, I, um, obviously worked the job and then when I was at home I did the side hustle thing and like at weekends so even though I'd gone full-time in my own business I was still in that mentality of working seven days a week as much as possible um so obviously I found that difficult because it was it's stressful to do your own thing it is I know it's like a dream job mm. but the stress really did get to me and I think like I mentioned um in my podcast I found myself sort of charging not a lot of money because I really wanted to get the work which led to me doing a ridiculous amount of work <laughs> straight away uh -huh. um, so yeah it was difficult it was really difficult and it took me I would say 
maybe even a year to actually get used to working for myself full time and looking after myself as well. Mm, Because it's a total shift, isn't it? You go from having a manager, knowing what you're going to do every morning, clocking out at five or six, and then you're kind of your mind's free of it and you're done to like, I'm sure it's something that's just so often in your mind. It's really hard to kind of switch off and have that balance. Yeah, totally. And also you, you, like you say, you have it in your mind 100% of the time, but you also don't have the like backup of say like a manager as you would in a nine to five. Um, Yeah, uh, it's constantly in your mind. Yeah. And kind of just, I guess, off the back of that, I guess you've almost combated that, I guess, difficulty of being self-employed is that you don't have a manager or kind of someone's helping you through. You've got a business coach, haven't you? Yes. So I worked with um, my business coach, Jen. Um, I worked with her last year and I think we started actually around this time a year ago. And I'm very vocal about the fact that it was one of the best decisions I made for my business. Um, she sort of very focused on so the way my business runs she kind of really got it and she knew that it was I wasn't looking to be a millionaire I wasn't looking to have a huge team or like offices across the country I just want it to be me but I want it to run well for my life and for you know to to make money which is what's the point otherwise (laughs) so she was really useful at bringing a lot of like clarity to my business and also a lot of the productivity side, as well as like maintaining a good balance um, between the work and life. Yeah. So would you kind of say you're now at a place where you're like, obviously it's never perfect, but kind of content with your workflow, kind of your balance between those things. She's obviously helped you to get to that place. Yeah, definitely. So um, I would say like, so my new year's resolutions last year would have, so like 2017 would have been something like, grow the business, make X amount of money, get X number of clients, you know, really, really focused on um, proper business. And this year, my New Year's resolution was to try and take more time off. So I think that sort of I love that. rounds it up a bit. So I'm definitely in a more relaxed position now um, and better off in business as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. It's almost such a counterintuitive <laughs> thing to think of, isn't it? Like one of my business goals for this year is to take more time off and work less hours, but I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's doing, yeah. Then what's the point of being self-employed if you can't have it work for your life and actually be something that's yeah, beneficial for you? Yeah, that's so true. And that's exactly why um, it's one of the reasons I started the podcast. You know, it was something that I wanted to see how other people managed uh, having a business alongside their life. Um, And one of the things I always bring up is what is the point in having a business if you are just as miserable as you would have done when you had a nine to five? Because that's the reason that you change, isn't it? So you want a bit more happiness, you want a bit more freedom. And if you don't have that, it's really not worth the sleepless nights that we have as business owners. I think that's so true. And it's always such a good reminder of like, if anyone's listening to this and like you're self-employed or running your own business, like you're not in it alone. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the main things I found um, again last year when I was working with a coach, but also just through exploring my business a bit more is the community side of business because um, so I've, my, one of my parents is a business owner, but in the side of business, it's really corporate and it's really like competitive. And so it's kind of like dog eat dog and, you know, you've really got to look out for yourself. And so that was always the mindset I had when it came to business, but actually there's such a huge community of, not just designers, but creatives, all sorts of business owners, you know, there's things like Facebook groups, like you say, podcasts, you can really find a place in the community, which I absolutely love. 
Yeah. Have you got any kind of podcasts or communities that you're part of that you would recommend to people or places that you go to find kind of community with other business owners? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So podcast wise, I love uh, obviously Jen Carrington, who is my coach. Her podcast, Make It Happen, is incredible. Uh, the One Girl Band podcast run by Lola Hode. That's wonderful. Um, I really focus, like you, if you've listened to those two, you know that they're all um it's not like business like marketing tips or social media tips it's really focusing on like the heart of business which is I think the place where you should focus most to get the fulfillment out of it Mm -hmm. I love those and then also like I say Facebook groups um there's so there's so many you can find I think depending on which industry you're in or what you want help with just like go and search for the ones which really fit you and you'll find such a good community of people it's great yeah and it's something I had kind of no literally no idea about until like a few months ago when I was like there mm-hmm. must be other people out there who are doing the same thing as me yeah. and there's such an amazing community I think particularly of women just like supporting other women and helping each other out and being in community with each other the kind of online communities of female entrepreneurs is a real thing that my eyes have kind of been open to recently. It was only up until kind of a couple of months ago that I realized how many kind of groups and pods and connection kind of spaces there are just for female entrepreneurs and not to sell to each other or to compete, but just to be like, hey, we're in this together. Let's share and let's grow. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't be in that position. Like it's very unlikely that we'll be fighting over clients, especially if you're in a different industry. There's no reason why that would be the case. Everyone's got their own little thing that they're doing. They're not trying to attack your business. No one's trying to do that. They're just trying to make their own work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's nice to sort of connect with people, like you say, who are in the same position, because I don't know about you, but a lot of, um, I don't have any friends like from my normal life I don't know what that means but (laughs) who run their own businesses or do anything similar to what I do Uh, so I really needed that help externally (laughs) Mm. and that community because I think it's so different to working for someone else and being in a nine-to-five so it's nice to have a bit of support in that which is really cool yeah definitely Um, So you work a lot kind of in branding, helping other people with their branding, putting together these, and I love your work, by the way, it's beautiful. So somehow I can still write, I can recognize every single piece is like, oh, that's Kat's work, but it's so individual to the client. Like, I just love it. Um, So I guess if there's someone listening, branding is obviously a huge part of running an online business. It's becoming more and more important as there's more accounts out there, more people doing the same stuff and kind of people need to have a strong brand in what they do and kind of who they are. What would be your, what's kind of, I guess, what's your biggest takeaway being of working in branding and helping people to create their own brands? Um, So I would say when it comes to branding, like you say, it's such an important thing now. Um, I work with quite a lot of bloggers and there are thousands and thousands of blogs around and also a lot more people doing it as their full-time work. And so you really have to have your own voice. You have to have your own image. It's not just about being really good at blogging, which a lot of people are. It really does come down to a lot of different things. So I think the main thing I would say is as a creative or as a business owner, you really have to sit down and think what your brand values are and whether that's for a business, for a blog, or just for your own personal branding. So like anything on social media, you really just have to sit down and think why are you doing it and who are you doing it for? And if you can come up with really, really good, solid answers for those two things, 
the branding bit's easy. It's coming up with the the why and the who that I find a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's so much back and forth, isn't it? I know just kind of from experience of working with my website designers, Mm -hmm. there's so much involved. It's not just to like click your fingers and a website is made. (laughs) Um, So I guess it'll be interesting to hear from your perspective. For anyone listening who uses kind of freelance graphic designers, branding people, website creators, how can they like respect your work the best? Because obviously there's a an interesting conversation there of their expectation versus kind of your design and then how can they get the most out of you kind of whilst being respectful of your design I guess what does that look like yeah well I would say the starting point is picking the right designer for you I think a lot of times um people just go for a designer because they like something else that they've done or they like their body of work which is great but I would really try and get to know uh, the work that your design has done make sure it's a style that fits you make sure the way they work fits you so like for example I take up basically a four-week slot of my client's time and in that time I sort of have to get quite a lot of feedback so if clients don't have time for that you know if they're crazy busy which obviously some people are maybe I'm not the right person to work with them so I think the first step would be getting the right designer um, and then on the way through, um, how to get the best. I think just really being really open and being really thorough with what you say. I think people can sort of tiptoe around creatives. You don't want to upset them. You don't want to um, say that you don't like their work, obviously. But if you if you are working with a designer, it's really important to be really honest about how you feel. Otherwise, you might end up with something you don't like, and then it doesn't work for either of you then, you know, the designer always wants to create something that's perfect for the client. That's just the way the relationship works. Yeah. And it's so interesting to hear that from your perspective and from the other side. So thank you for sharing that. Um, And I'd love to now move on to a topic which probably feels a little bit off limits and kind of taboo in the culture and the country that we live in. But like, let's chat about money. How you set your pricing, because obviously it's so easy to start off super low. And I know I did that in my business. When I first started, I didn't understand the value of what I was doing. And I cringe at the prices that I charge. Like it was ridiculous. So how did you find that process of, I guess, realizing what your, what your service was worth and then being okay with promoting that with people? Um, yeah. So similar to you, I started charging ridiculously low. I kind of mentioned that before, which ended up with me working ridiculous hours as it obviously does, because you need 20 clients to make your rent money instead of too, which obviously is what I do at the moment. Uh, I think I even charged a hundred pounds for a full custom website design when no. I first started. Up. Yeah, I know that's horrendous. Don't to do anyone that. listening, <laughs> you will never get a good website now for a hundred pounds. Like that. Yeah, so do that. Dreamy. <laughs> um, and I think the process of so, like the say the more spiritual side of charging properly is actually learning your own value and having confidence in your own work so I think that's maybe where to start you look in the work you've done and you're really proud of it then you should be charging for the really good work that you're proud of so you kind of do need that hit of confidence before you can start charging properly and that's a good starting point the more technical side of trying to figure out how to charge would be to put together, I mean, I'm a spreadsheet lover, I'm not going to lie, 
but you can just do it in notes as well, you know, whatever floats your boat. But write down all your expenses. Um, so like your personal expenses, things like rent, bills, blah, blah, blah. Your business expenses, so any programs you have, stuff like that. Um, and then you sort of like how much you want to earn on top of that or how much you want to put into your savings, things like that. Because bear in mind that it's your business. You can make as much as you want to. That's the whole point. So you can set that amount if you want. Uh, and then on top of that, obviously, we've got to think about tax. So that's the, the old third on top of that. And yeah, I think just having a really solid plan of this is the amount I want to earn a year. So you've got that figure. And then how much work can I do? How many clients can I work with? For me, like I say, it's two a month generally. And then, you know, a few custom projects on top. So just divide into that the time that you work in. Mm. It's, it's quite a simple process if you think of it in that way however looking at that number on a piece of paper and actually putting it forward as your price I think that comes to the bit before which is the confidence yeah and I remember so clearly a couple of meetings like when I was first starting out where people would say like what's your price and I hadn't mm-hmm. even thought about it I was just like well here's something I'm passionate about I can do it as a job but I don't know what I'm going to charge for it and yeah. I would just pluck these figures out of thin air and just kind of hope that they'd say yes and then they always did so I was like I should have said higher like that was a mistake I love that you're kind of super transparent in your pricing having them on your website that's not something that I think I see with a lot of creative entrepreneurs who offer different services so what's that process been like for you it means that people can come to my website and they'll straight away see the prices and if it's if they think right that's out of my budget and it will never be in my budget they can move on and find someone else and obviously I'm happy for that to happen Um, And it kind of cuts out the inquiries which don't lead to anything, which obviously isn't just, it's kind of like a waste of both of our times, like for Mm -hmm. me and for whoever's getting in touch. Um, I don't mean that in a a negative way. I don't want to waste anyone's time. Yeah. But I think it just helps for people who really want to work with me as well to have an idea of how I charge and what they'd have to put aside for that sort of area of their business. Mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic I literally love talking openly about money it's such a thing that's kind of <laughs> I guess particularly to be in England but also within the kind of entrepreneurial world it's not something that we're super open about so like the other day I had some friends around and that, they were sort of asking me obviously we've just had our tax return deadline and they were kind of asking me how it works because they're in nine to five jobs and don't have to do it so I was kind of explaining like this, blah, 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 uh, each area of it. And so one of them was like, so uh, how much tax did you end up paying? And then his girlfriend straight away was like, you can't ask that. That's so rude. You can't ask that question. And I was like, I don't mind talking about it if, you know, that's what you want to do. But yeah, it's such a, like you say, a taboo subject. It's bizarre. Yeah. And I wonder if we kind of create a culture which is more more open about talking about what we make it might help people I guess that we're in our positions when we began and are like I don't know what to price I don't know what my stuff's worth I think there's a lot that can be done in kind of helping people to understand that yeah definitely and if someone who is currently working in a nine-to-five makes say 25 grand a year and think oh this is what I really want to do but then people in that industry are really open about what they earn and say actually I earn about 20 grand a year then they can sort of weigh that up in a more realistic way for them. That is their decision. Yeah. And a huge step for me was realizing that 
what I charged hourly wasn't ever going to relate to what people were paid hourly. Like that's such a different rate. And I've only really just kind of allowed myself to be okay with what I charge because you've got to remember that like there's tax in that there's all the other stuff that you pay for that your company doesn't pay for like software is expensive. It's your Mm -hmm. laptop. It's everything on top of that. And yeah, I think it's, I guess if anyone's listening and they're like, Oh, I feel a bit awkward about what I want to charge hourly. Like don't just like own your prices and yeah, exactly. It's all about that confidence. And yeah, like you say, if you think of it in the way that if I don't charge this specific price, then I can't sustain my own life. Then <laughs> it'll be a bit easier. Then. <laughs> and like the worst thing any client's ever going to say is no. Yeah. That's what I always think is like when I tell someone my prices, either it's not in their budget and that's fine or it is. And that's great. So I love, um, And yeah, so in this podcast, I'm super passionate about kind of exploring and communicating a lot of the real life side to what it is to run a business. I know that Instagram can make it seem super rosy and like we're all just kind of like hanging out in these airy offices whilst we like sip hot coffee and do like two hours of work a day. But like the reality (laughs) is not like that. (laughs) No, Um, not at all. So I'd love if you'd share, was there something that you kind of walked into being self-employed and were like, it's going to be like this. I'm really excited for this thing. And then the reality was a bit different to that. I think my main one would be, because um, I didn't have any ideas of like the, the glamorous side. I don't, I don't think, like I said, I didn't really know a lot of people who ran their own businesses uh, in my sort of area anyway. So I didn't really have any ideas as far as that. But I think my main thing was, I'm now going to spend 100% of my time designing, which is what I absolutely love. And obviously it doesn't work that way. You do maybe 50% of your time doing the thing that your business actually does. And then the other 50% is everything else, you know, admin. And 50% might even be quite generous. (laughs) Um, I was thinking that. I was like, lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, yeah, oh my God, I'm going to be designing, going to be doing logos all the time going to be coding websites it's going to be amazing other things involved in running a business that you kind of don't think about Mm, you know at first yeah and especially these days as there's more and more people in the industries I guess part of the reason why you didn't have this idea of how great it was going to be is because like in 2014 like three or four years ago there wasn't this huge thing on social media of people who were self-employed and ran their own businesses it just wasn't so big whereas now like it's so saturated with people all doing the same thing and marketing is a huge part of that which I think yeah you don't even like working in marketing myself I never considered I'd have to market me I was like oh (laughs) I'll market others but like it feels a bit weird marketing yourself like how have you found that um I mean as a person who could never even write my own cv one of my biggest struggles in general so doing things like keeping up with social media kind of pushing my services like this is what I do I can do it for you um I just find it all really hard and I still do I still find it really really difficult and I think my best advice would be just find things that suit you as a person because I'm never going to be out on social media like pushing like oh my god you need to work with me right now or your business will fail that's not me but what I can do is say oh look at this work I've done if you like this work, you know, get in touch and we can have a chat. And so I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really finding your own feet with what fits and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Since you started, so obviously it's, is it three or four years you've had Gatto running? Is that right? So it will be four years this year. Oh God, four years. This year. I can't remember when it was. 
yeah it'll be four years I can't remember whether I don't think that's full-time I think that's since I started from the beginning a big journey of having it just from kind of being your side hustle to now being a full-fledged business which is super successful um so what's I guess been a what's been a struggle for you like let's talk about the stuff that isn't always talked about what's been something that you've been like oh that was really difficult and how did you I guess get yourself out of that to where you are now uh, so I'd say that the first thing will be something that we've already covered, which is like the money side. So charging appropriately. But obviously we spoke about that. That was sort of the one struggle that I had. I would say the main struggle aside from that would just be, it sounds really sad, but like loneliness and dealing with being on your own all the time. Yeah. I think it, um, you kind of think, oh, I'm going to be self-employed and I'll have all this time. I'll go see my friends all the time and I can see my family. I'll have so much more free time to do the things I want. I know it just doesn't work out that way because you obviously the time that you're not working, you're thinking about work. <laughs> and uh-huh. so it's kind of, it's such a, a difficult thing to navigate through is working at home on your own and sort of trying to pull away from work. So you're not always at work on your own. <laughs> so yeah, I think the loneliness thing was really difficult. A couple of years ago, I got a pet dog who now keeps me company. Um, it sounds really sad because obviously he's not a person, but I do talk to him. <laughs> I chat to my dog like all day. Like yeah. he's one of my besties, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need that company. Um, but yeah, and also from that, um, just kind of, like I said, pulling away from the work side of things. So I try and switch off in the evenings. I don't work at weekends anymore. And I guess I kind of just have a schedule like anyone working a nine to five, but I'm just at home. Um, yeah. And I guess finding that routine so beneficial, both to your business and to yourself, just in how you separate yourself from it. Um, was that something, because obviously you spoke a little bit earlier about kind of, you had a bit of a stage of burnout, like you were pricing too low, you had too many clients, things were just getting a bit too much and I know obviously you're now in a place where you're working kind of this super healthy routine what was that transition for you what was that learning curve I think the point was starting to work with my coach I think she really focused on that side of things so having a a work-life balance was probably one of the first things we spoke about it was one of the struggles that I approached her about I said I I was working basically every weekend and doing emails at night and not switching off at all and Basically, the first thing she said was, okay, stop doing that. And then I was like, oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah, no, it is that easy. I will just stop doing it. And, uh-huh. it, you know, and then I did. And I've not worked a weekend for a year now. Congratulations yeah, just, on your boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I'm very <laughs> proud of them. I think just tell yourself what you need and then do it. I think I'm such a proactive person that maybe it's not that easy for everyone. But maybe if that's the case, tell yourself what you need to do list the benefits and then just you know do that you, you've really got to do what looks after you at the end of the day so yeah and it sounds so simple and you imagine like oh that must be so easy but it's so difficult to do and mm-hmm. I don't know if this is something you've experienced but I, I don't have a word for it but I guess it's kind of this like self-employed guilt of mm-hmm. I feel super bad if I start late and I'm like well all my family are already at work at like 8 9 a.m like who am I to be starting work at 10 or like mm-hmm. I'm taking longer lunch breaks than everyone else or just doing things that kind of I guess are the benefits of being self-employed, but I recognize that other people don't necessarily have, and I feel a bit guilty about that. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the journey of actually owning your schedule and what you're doing is just being like, no, no, like 
you go through enough struggles like being self-employed there's enough in that that's difficult actually you need to own those things and and take that within your work yeah definitely and it's also um that I, I sort of coined I didn't coin it at all I've said in the past freelancer guilt I said this on a podcast once and someone was like oh is that a thing and I was like now I have um, a phrase for it I, I just it. made it up but yeah <laughs> uh, it's so true and you kind of want to do what everyone else is doing so you want to do the nine to fives and you want a half an hour lunch break but then you also find that you're working in the evenings and you're getting up early and then working late or you're working at the weekend and you can't do everything and you've just got to realize that and it's also if you think people are going to judge you about it try to care less about that because I've got friends and I'll sort of say oh yeah I'm taking Fridays off now and they'll say oh god oh that's that must be so easy oh god I wish I had Fridays off and I'm like yeah it is it's great and you've just got to move on you know that it's difficult and if other people don't understand that that's okay that's all right being okay with like not everyone's gonna get it not everyone's gonna mm-hmm. agree with it but just you keep doing what's right for you yes yeah, that's a good reminder to anyone like I think we all need to hear that sometimes <laughs> I think so so I guess kind of to finish us off if there's anyone listening who's in a creative career or maybe in a bit of a rut or recognizes some of what you've talked about along your journey what would be your advice to someone who's looking to pursue a creative career who wants to develop their side hustle into a full-time job what would you say to those people who might be listening I would definitely say um you have to you do have to practice and you have to practice not only the industry that you want to be in but also being a business owner so the the side hustle thing is such a good place to start uh whether it's just a little thing just showing off your work even if no one buys from you say you put some products up on Etsy you know it's the experience of creating something and putting it online and finding what the process is from start to finish I think that's a good place to start also I feel like a bit of a fraud because obviously my creative leap story is that I was made redundant so I always feel really guilty saying like yeah just go for it quit your job and so saying that I, I wouldn't really give that advice I think you try and get yourself in a really confident position first where you're really pleased with your work you're getting clients in, you feel like you can charge a good amount of money and yeah, do those things first and then do the job quitting bit because it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to just quit your job and then become a freelancer. Yeah. And I think that's such a wrong misconception as well. Like we didn't all just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to have no financial security and quit my job. Like (laughs) you have to grow it to a place where you're I guess confident to do that. <laughs> and also I would say use the um, situations that you're in. So say for example, you've just finished university and you're living at home, use that to your advantage. You know, you don't have any outgoings. If that's a position that helps you in your creative career, use that for yourself. I also think people at university don't realize how many resources they have around them. So if you're currently at university, use people around you, you know, talk to professors, Go and use the, the libraries, the resources that you pay for at the end of the day. Just use what you've got, I suppose. Love that. So I guess your advice would just be to like use what you've got, start today, like do what you can to kind of take that to its next step, which is fantastic. I, I kind of my final question would be what's next for Gatto? So if you were to come back on the podcast in a year, which I'd love to see where you've been since, um, where would you love to be in kind of one year, five years time? Where would you like that to look for you? 
Um, five years, I would, I'm not going to lie, I've not even thought about. Uh, one year is a bit easier. I think this year I really want to focus on um, doing different things. So the design thing I absolutely love. And I think, uh, so like the end of last year, I started doing a couple of workshops and I've started lecturing at Manchester School of Art about branding. And that's something I'd really like to work on a bit more. I'd love to do my own workshops. Just like I said, taking a bit more time off. I'd love to travel a bit more. That's not business related, but I think just really, really um, being really specific on the work I want to do and making sure that everything works perfectly to the point where I can take time off and not be really upset about it. Mm-hmm. that's so cool and I'm really excited to kind of I guess see you go on that journey I had no idea you did lecturing at a university I think that's, that's yeah I don't think it's something I uh, I've mentioned too much but yeah that's a, it's like a guest lecturing thing but it's really cool nice adds another string to your book and another thing that you're up yeah. to it's really cool so thank you so much for joining me today Kat it's been so great to chat to you oh thank um, you for having me it's been lovely to talk to you too that's great so I will link if you're listening and you want to check out more about Kat I'll link her podcast which is amazing and is how I first found her uh, website and Instagram in the show notes so go check her out give us some love but yeah Kat thank you for joining and excited to see where you go from here oh thank you very much me too much for listening to this episode you can find all the relevant links and information for what was talked about at alicebenham.co.uk forward slash podcast as always please leave a review let me know what you thought of this episode and if you have any suggestions of someone who you think i should interview or chat to then please give me a shout i would love to hear from you